panel where we look at women, these three lovely ladies here, all set up businesses in the last five years um, successfully. Um, just quickly talking stats and publishing, there are more women, unsurprisingly, um, employed within the publishing industry, more women in this room probably, um, but the lowest paid quartile of positions is roughly 65% female and women represent roughly 45% in the top quarter. In the children's arena, um, there are a higher number of women leading imprints, but in the larger houses, men continue to take pole position at the top. So, yeah, let's meet these three bosses. Let me introduce you to them quickly. Right at the end here, we have Bella Pearson, who's the publisher of Guppy Books. After 20 years in children's publishing, 17 of those at David Dickling, Bella set up Guppy a small independent publisher based in Oxford, producing high-quality, original, inclusive fiction for children and young adults. Her books include Costa Shortlisted Maggie Blue uh, and The Dark World by Anna Goodall, Gloves Off by Louise Reed and Saving Winslow by Sharon Creech. Um, she has Tsunami Girl, which was um, long-listed for the Carnegie, and she's also won the Branford Ghost Award twice and has been shortlisted five times. So Jen and I are very jealous <laughs> of all her awards. Um, Jen, Jenny Broom, who is co-managing director and publisher at Magic Cat. Jen studied at the Slade before moving into children's books. And early on, Jen and I met at Templar, um, which was an independent base, or is still an independent, well, owned by Bonnie now, but was at that point, run by Amanda Wood, based down in Dorking in Surrey. Um, and together, Jen and I launched Big Picture Press, about 10 years ago, um, specialising in illustrated non-fiction books. Um, and the next year, Jen authored Animalium, which was shortlisted for the National Book Awards and was chosen as the Times Book of the Year. Um, Jen and I then moved to Corto and set up Wide-Eyed. Jen was the editorial director at Francis Lincoln Children's Books and received a commendation for Editor of the Year at the National Book Awards. And in 2019... Jen and I, um, we've had babies and we founded a female-led independent publishing house, Magic Cat. Um, we're based in Hackney and last year we won a commendation at the Nibbies for Best Small Press and we won the Newcomer of the Year at the IPA. And Aviola Bello, author and publisher from Hashtag Press. She is Nigerian-British prize-winning children's YA author from London. She's an advocate for diversity in books for young people and is the author of the award-winning fantasy series Emily Knight. She was nominated for Silip's Carnegie Award. She won London Book Fairs, uh, sorry, London's Big Read in 2019 and was the finalist for the People's Book Prize Best Children's Book. She won the London Book Fair Trailblazer Award in 2018 and she is a trailblazer, so we're very excited to talk to her today. And she's the founder of Little Author School, co-founder of the Author School, Hashtag Press, Hashtag Black, the Diverse Book Awards, <laughs> and the playlist Bookbox and Ink. So welcome, ladies. Um, and, you know, just to read that, Aviola, one of the biggest self-starters in our industry, and I was wondering whether you could sort of tell us your story of how you became a publisher. Sure, I can do it very, very quickly. Um, so I always wanted to be an author. I actually self-published my book because I couldn't get an agent when I was 23. <coughs> I don't have COVID, I'm just popping over. 
Well, I was 23. Then met Helen Lewis, which is the co-founder of Hashtag over there. She did sort of PR. And six months later, I got my first agent. And my journey has been very, very exhausting. And one day I'll tell you, but not today. We don't have time for that. Um, and then in 2020, I signed to my third agent, which is Gemma Cooper from the Ben Agency. And um, in last year, we had um, signed a six-figure deal with Simon Schuster for free wire books and one's coming out this year. So it's been an interesting ride. But prior to Hashtag Press, me and Helen set up the author school because as I had self-published and she'd done book PR, we realised so many authors just didn't really know what to do. Publishing is, is weird and it's like you don't know anyone in it, but obviously there's people in it because it exists. And you don't really know authors and stuff. It's all really in a weird bubble. And we kind of figured out how to do certain things. We were like, why don't we set up the author school, make it super affordable, and just basically have a day and teach people about what editing is, and what rights is, we'll get an agent in, and blah, blah, blah. So we did, we've done that for about six years. But during the author school, we met this author called Stephanie Nimmo. She was like an award-winning blogger. She um, would just share about her life. She's a very crazy life. She'd written a book. And she was like, I really like YouTube. Would you publish... My book, we're, like, we're not publishers, and I went, Why don't we publish it? Who's being published? So Helen was like, that's a, that's a bad idea. In fairness, it was a bad idea because we didn't know what we were doing, and we just really liked Steph. And then um, we came to London Book Fair, spent a year researching because I self published, so I knew. I knew how to do a book, but I didn't know, like, where does it get printed and how does it get out there? Like, all those things you probably should know before you start publishing. <laughs> so we did that. We got our team together. We couldn't get a sales team because no one took us seriously, because why would you take us seriously? And then we published Steph's book in September 2017, but around January time, Helen panicked. And she thought, I don't know if we can do this book, and I'm worried we're going to mess up her book. And it was like her memoir, and it's, it's super like emotional, her book. It would have been really bad if we obviously messed it up. And I was like, no, we, we can do this. She was like, no, I think we should practice on a book. And I was like, yeah, maybe. She's like, no, we need to practice on a book. And I just been offered a free book deal for my series. And I was like, what, my book? She's like, yeah. And so, you know, obviously I kind of forced this, we can do a publishing house on her. And I was kind of like, well, you should probably prove you could do it, really. So we then used my book to do that, but then that's why I met Kate Manning, because she ran the children's part of Soap News Literary Festival, and that's how we kind of launched Hashtag within her festival, and I got to speak to like 200 kids and stuff. So that's kind of how we started it. So it's because of Stephanie Nimmo and her life story is why we started a whole publishing <laughs> And did it get published? It got published. Steph's book got into the top 10 bestsellers list. It had so much press on it. She got on like this morning, New York Times, blah, blah, blah. Oh, so yeah. I proved my point. <laughs> and now we've done a whole load of books since then. So yeah, that's what we started. Amazing. And tell us about like, who's your team? Oh, we have a really small team. So it's me and Helen. Um, we're like people that always want to give others a chance. There's lots of like young people that want to get into publishing. So we've like always like try and hire them. It doesn't really work for us. I don't know why, but I don't know. We don't hire very well, clearly. But what happened was is we kind of got sick of hiring people that really didn't really didn't actually want to work. They just kind of wanted to stay in publishing. So I stole one of Helen's um, workers who works for a PR company. She is a married. 40-something-year-old woman who doesn't really understand publishing, but she's great with people, which is the best person. So she looks after all the authors for us. So we're a really small team, and we just kind of have freelancers that help us, a lot of women. Um, and we're really passionate about um, diversity and inclusivity. That's like our main 
thing, really. Um, yeah, now this month we're five years old, Brilliant. which is wild, um, and hopefully we'll last another five years.
um, that's just really hard to replicate when you're in a much bigger corporation. So yeah, I just think indies will just live forever because that's people believe in them. Yeah. Bella, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your story of sitting as government. Yeah, sure. Um, so, well, it's very similar. I mean, um, I've sort of added to the conversation. It, I have worked for David Cooking Books for many, many years, and David, in a way, it was a really lovely situation because we were, it was an independent um, uh, imprint, but it would have the backdrop of Random House children's books. So we had the editorials set up in Oxford, and we had all the sales marketing and everything, and the money as well from coming from Random House. So it was a really fabulous way of working um, at that point. Um, and I started up with David when he set it up, so I really got that was there from the beginning when he set up, just the two of us, and then more people came in. And, um, and when I left, I had experienced that thing of putting together a list of books. Um, but at that point, when I, this is 17 years later, and various things happened, and I left and come back, and then I decided to leave and think about what I wanted to do. And what I really wanted was my own list of books that I could curate, that I could put together, um, and work independently and have that. I did not have creative freedom before, but there's something very different about doing it on your own mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not having to get it past anybody else. Uh, and it really, it, it was a hugely liberating thing, I don't know if you guys, where you suddenly come out into the on your own and you can do anything. And that was the most exciting thing for me. Um, and I started talking to people and lots of serendipitous things happened. And um, I set up the uh, established company in 2018, Autumn, and I had Michael and Mara, who's an independent company based in Clapham. You probably know they sell my books for me and distribute my books, and that they happened to get in their own sales team at the same time as I set up. So um, that was really fantastic. They then wanted another um, list to sell alongside their own. So that was really good for good fortune because I didn't know anything really about the sales side. So I'm the editorial team. It's basically me. Um, I'm the only employee at the moment, but I have an incredible team freelancers who work with me, I have a publicity uh, person who works one day a week and did that three or four designers who um, I work with uh, regularly and uh, editorial support and I have an incredible team around me but I am the only employee as it were at the moment, although that will have to change because things are just getting too busy. And we publish about eight to ten books a year, fiction, original fiction from five to eighteen um, and I, that's what I've done in my career is, is find voices and find new authors and that's something I think I'm quite good at and so we do things like we run an open submissions competition every year, we open it up as widely as we can, anyone can send their book in and we do a young adult one one year, a middle grade one the next and actually that was something that came out from the pandemic so that's something I'm really yeah, pleased about actually because suddenly I had time when I was going to book like this and um, suddenly that's like we, we set that up and it's been the most incredible success and it's fantastic to find new people. And that, that's what I love as well. Do you, do you have open submissions? Yeah, yeah, well, we don't all through the year. We just do okay. at that time I because okay. I just couldn't, we couldn't manage yeah. open, being open to unsolicited all the time. We are always so, amazed by Jen and I can like, barely get through pictures <laughs> yeah. compared to novels. So. Yeah, it, it would be too much for me, for sure. Um, but doing it once a year and, and also separating it to middle grade and young adult does mm. make it more manageable. Um, okay. And I found too, Voices, the two authors of the future. I mean, I, I know that well, it's simply it's kind of uh, doing it that So, yeah. Tell us a bit about a couple of your books that you're really excited about. Well, I'll tell you about one of the, the first winner, actually, which is this book we published in February, which is The Captain Meeting on the Way. 
which um, is a wonderful, and Nadia Mikhail is a student, a Malaysian student uh, doing a law degree in London at the moment, um, and she, I don't think she'd actually written it when I put the words out about the competition, and she wrote it in about three months, and it's a story set against the backdrop of an apocalypse, but it's a very intimate family story um, about a girl looking for her estranged sister. Um, it's a bit like Don't Look Up, but it's like the you know, human side of it. And she's the most incredible writer. I mean, she's simple. You will hear more of her. This is just the beginning for her. Um, so we published that in February, and I'm so proud of that one. Um, <coughs> I'm sure I'm showing my bears and listening to them in the supermarket. Um, and then we've got Tsunami Girl, which is actually shortlisted for the Carnegie Sorry. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. So we're really, we're just, we've only published 18 books so far, but um, I'm just really proud. Sales are definitely at least a year behind because of the pandemic, but I feel we're proving ourselves with our sort of awards, you know, we've cost a shortlist and can't need your rating. Sunday tournaments, children's books of the week, we've had four of those, and it, it, I just feel we're, we're, it's been a hard slog, but yeah. we are slowly sort of, well, we just have to make those sales catch up, and that's been the hardest thing, is going with the books in front of the consumer, in front of the child. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I can't wait to No, no, it's great. It's really, you know, really different stories, all of us. Um, and standing from the same thing. But also from the same thing, we were all saying, you know, we have a place in, in London, all of us in East London, Jen lives in Norfolk, and you're in Oxford. And I, I reckon that definitely COVID's kind of leveled. Everything needs to be so modern centric, isn't it? But that's not yeah. the case anymore, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with David Trickling, who we've been in Oxford for 20 years or so, so, but with that big attachment to London. But as you say, with everything's been even down at Zoom and yeah. I mean, horrible things it is. And yeah, also these things being set up in the North. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good time. Um, yeah, how, how have your, like, being a couple of years in, I wondered if you could each answer, like, well, how have your aims changed since you started your company? Mm. Are they different to oh. when you launched five years ago? Well, we didn't know what we were doing. I could just be honest about that. Like, yeah. we didn't. There are lots of. Do, we, do any of us know what we're doing? No. <laughs> but I think, I think, like, you guys came from a bit more of like with publishing experience of some sort, whereas me and Helen, we did not. And literally, I'm a self-published author. She's like, well, I mean, she's like an award-winning PR, so she gets all that stuff. But I just like, you know, pretending. You know, you know there are there are things when I look back at our history of hashtag where I'm like, yeah, if we kind of knew what we were doing. This would have gone a lot better. But um, as time's gone on, because originally, like, this now sounds so stupid, but when we started, we didn't really have a goal. I mean, our goal was Steph, wasn't it? That was really like our goal, was not to mess with it. Yeah. But um, we didn't really have, like, you know, like, people stand for something, do you know what I mean? Like, we didn't, we didn't really do that, I guess. But then we kind of were like, oh, we really like debut authors, that was like our thing, like, we really like a new voice. But then we started seeing on, like, like maybe like more 2018 on Twitter, we would get tagged a lot of things about diversity, inclusivity a lot, and like, including those conversations. And we were like, oh yeah, that's what we do. I guess the books we do think can't be fit into that. It wasn't on purpose. But I guess it's just naturally the type of books that we like. Then we thought maybe we should just be a bit more specific then. Like maybe we should just hone in on that. And then obviously the whole diversity conversations are happening in publishing. Everyone got all like, you know, about that. So we set up the Diverse Book Awards um, to kind of really hone in on that. So now we're very like focused on that and really finding more underrepresented voices more. So we have an imprint in. 
called Hashtag Black, and it's for um, underrepresented voices and about love stories, because there are not enough love stories mm. with like black or Asian or like disabled characters, like not really enough of that. That's very specific. And yeah, now we're just more looking for diverse and inclusive voices. That's like our thing now. But I can honestly say at the beginning it wasn't. So if you look to some of our books, you might be like, why is that there? Don't worry about it. But yeah, moving forward, that's basically what we are um, focusing on. But we do like our debuts. We do. Which does make it harder, like when you're working with a new voice. It does make life harder. Yeah. But that's the beauty of what you said. It's independent, isn't it? It's about finding new voices that really get a look in with the big houses because getting an agent in itself is very difficult as probably some of you know if you're like, looking to get an agent um, so you know whereas we we don't care being an agent or not we work with eyes yeah. and stuff and we used to be open all year round and we were consistently drowning in submissions and the worst thing is where you know you haven't read one and someone's emailed you and been like hi oh, I sent this like six months ago and you're like or <laughs> well, you've read it you just forgot to respond give an answer like all those annoying things that I would hate happen to me and you're doing it to someone else so now we're closed for submissions but now people are very cheeky and they're like I know you're closed but I'm going to be and we started getting like postal submissions like, oh, yeah. yeah it's kind of done a bit weird like post to me when it's like hello <laughs> like really weird and stuff so yeah it's, um, yeah but I like the idea you did actually about I think that's like a really good idea. It's really hard to publish it. And when you're small, we're a team of three. When you're small like that, it's just impossible. And I hate authors think you don't care about their book because it isn't that. It's just we just don't have time. But even when you close it, I mean, they don't don't care. (laughs) So our aims are changed, yes. Yeah. We're definitely picking up on your debut point. We're definitely a debut. Well, probably all three of us are, mm-hmm. and I think for us, one of the joys of Alice is discovering debut illustrators that haven't made books before mm-hmm. and turning their pictures into a story. I wondered if you could talk a bit about about our process of working with debuts. Uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, uh, we found the company with with an amazing art director actually and that was like our number one we were like we can't do this unless we have a fantastic art director because that was absolutely fundamental to the list um, and she and she is absolutely amazing and, and I think one of the things that um, we've experienced in previous houses as well is people trying to separate editorial and design stuff stop the editorial having access to the software that lets you edit the book in the form and we realised that for, you know, to, to have a really great book you need to have totally seamless integrated artwork and design and that the two need to be involved at every stage all the way as a partnership all the way through and I think that's something that, that so many people at corporate level particularly just don't understand that kind of the conversational aspect of making a book. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, we do work with a lot of a, a lot of debuts, um, both authors and, and and you know the thing that we always say is we we and, and also with authors, you know, we work with a lot of people that are maybe experts in astrophysics but have never thought to make a book with you know for children, and we say that you you're an expert in your field, we're experts in being stupid about <laughs> your subject and making sure that people of a really young age can understand what you're talking about. And so that's, you know, we, we're able to approach a much broader array of people, I think, that maybe haven't considered making books before 
because we're confident that we're going to be able to help them with that process of translating their knowledge into a really compelling book. Um, and that's something that I think really helps, enables us to compete with, you know, other bigger publishing houses who are maybe more reliant on submissions coming in yeah. and, uh, you know, we can actively spot a next spot, something we, you know, we think is going to be interesting, you know, we're doing a book on uh, slow journeys, slow down journeys, and so we found an expert in, in slow travel and, and he, he, he was a best-selling adult author, but we've got him to write a book for kids about his journeys and that's something that I think, you know, it would, this that book wouldn't be there had we not reached out to him. Um, and so it's that kind of active commissioning as opposed to just kind of going through kind of rooms and rooms of submissions and picking out the ones that you like the look of um, that allows us, I think, to put together a list that's really interesting and innovative and fresh and yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. How do you go about balancing your list, Stella? Do you, do you sort of... I don't really have an idea before I see something, I think. Uh, it just yeah. naturally just seems... And it's always been that, and it just naturally okay. seems to fall into place. Um, but it's interesting what you're saying, and actually, I don't think it's just debut sort of new ideas and creative thinking. Um, I've got um, Tsunami Girl, which I'll just show you here. There's a book that we published by Julian Cedric, who's been published many, by many publishers already. Uh, he's an established children's author. And he has gone to his current publishers with this book, and they rejected it and um, came to me. And it's a book that's got prose and manga in it. Um, these manga intersections which go through the book and they tell they tell it they add to the story in a really unusual original way. But um, when he presented it, when he showed it to me, um, it was written, the manga's were written in prose. And I, I asked him, why is it written in prose? I mean I presume he wanted to be drawn in this this manga. Uh, and he said, well no, well yes he would love that, but he'd been told by the big publishers, and I won't say who they were, um, that it would be too expensive, maybe people want it, too they didn't want it. And I just thought that's absolutely, I mean, anyone would think that was absolutely madness. But I can imagine if you were an editor, actually, if you were quite a junior editor as well, thinking about getting that cast everybody, I think it might be something that people said, you know, no, that's going to be too difficult. Um, so, lucky and because this book is extraordinary. You've got an amazing manga artist, Chia Fitzawada, who did this incredible manga. And now these two are working on a collaboration, a much more half, um, half collaboration, which we're pushing next year. So, um, it's things like that. You know, you can do things that are different, but with, with all sorts in all sorts of ways. And um, I'm sure other independents would have picked that up very quickly as well. I think that's one of the huge things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's definitely. You know, if you had a no once, just keep trying. Yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to work out here how many people in this room are authors looking for publishers. Put your hands up if you're an author. What about the editor? And, okay, yeah. I don't know who it was. <laughs> 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 no, Lots of problems with it too. Another publisher. Um, what, what's, what sort of things didn't you think about in starting a company that were like, oh my god, I've got to do this now, who's all that? Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. Oh, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I think Jen was on the phone, which is like, 
So it'd be like, I think I'm going to be a for like four hours. Yeah, Slovenian PAT expert, like, you feel like best friend for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't think about like bookshops, that sounds weird, but like, I think I thought, because, you know, I said we'd have a sales team, so we got one after we just desperately got people, and I'm like, oh, I'm serious about this. But I thought once you've got a sales team, you know, you get into like the bookshops and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, you would think that. And yeah, it's, um, you know, I don't want to expose names and stuff, but there's definitely a monopoly bookshop. We, we know who we're talking about. And um, yeah, it's just, there's, you know, the big five own publishing, you know, and it's, yeah, it was like, oh, that's quite shocking that bookshops are not as supportive about books. As I thought they were. And that's, that's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. You have to be a bit more creative, I think, to get your book out there, okay. which I hadn't thought about at all. Yeah, I can be a little bit naive. Clearly, I was like, what? Well, well, when you self-publish your book, you have that. So when I self-publish, um, that was like you know, like Amazon print on demand. Okay, like that. So people just you know get Amazon as like a direct set. Yeah. But when you have like a publishing house, you've got like your sales team. You've done it all, like you know how. And I think, you know, I just thought, oh, the sales team will go out and your book and they will take a few copies. And I know every child of every bookshop, but yeah, it's been interesting actually. I have lots of DM conversations with booksellers, yeah. asking questions and questioning them and, you know, their choices of things and put them on the spot a little bit. I do that quite a lot actually in my spare time. But <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit interesting. So we, we kind of deliberately now make a lot of relationships with independent of sales. Yeah. And we do that a lot now. We kind of do like direct sales and you know just kind of have that conversation going because yeah, yeah I think I just naively thought, oh, a bookshop would want books. <laughs> you know? But yeah, with 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 an indie like ours, it's it's not as simple. We were having a big conversation about that and sometimes you think, you know, if you try to take a person, you do think, is it us? Like can yeah. they can they sell what we don't know what we're doing? Like, you know, you do kind of think like is it just an us thing? But then you realise it's actually across the board, and that's... It's, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, isn't it, to make it... You have to... I, I sometimes do, I have to prove myself ten mm. times more than a bigger publisher, and you have to get five times more reviews, all the shooters things, and that's what's so important about things like that. Yeah. Mm. And yet sometimes that doesn't even work either. And so I do want... Yeah, I'd love to present the same book as a big publisher and see what happens exactly. with, with some... Mm. But then being really, the one thing that I would say is like the pandemic was was a, was a was a real challenge, right? Because none of us had a backlist to rely on, and all these publishers were reporting unbelievable numbers, fantastic year, but it was all backlist driven. It was all people buying books, not venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was getting, and we didn't have that option, and actually, I think that was in some ways to our advantage because we went out fighting <laughs> for our funders when I think, you know, I was hearing conversations with other editors at other bigger publishing houses where they were having open conversations saying, look guys, we're just going to have to accept that that 80% of our funders is just going to flop and just mm. walk away from that. And we couldn't afford to let 80% of our funders flop. So, uh, yeah, we did have to, we 
like drawing, like we just we did everything that we could to get our books in people's faces and the yeah. internet was our friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and reaching out directly to our consumers and reaching out directly to fabulous indies who were all doing the same with their amazing communities and who were all had people like buying picking up stuff and picking up books from their doorsteps mm-hmm. while in the night and stuff, you know. It was um, you know, again sort of comes back to that thing if you if you're a, if you're a small passionate Enterprise, you, you have to make it happen because you have to be like super creative. Well, you said it's true, like, you have to prove yourself in a way that I don't, I don't know, maybe the big, I mean, I guess they did prove themselves, I guess that's what I did five, I guess, but yeah, you have to be a bit more creative and stuff. Yeah. Like, you were listing all like, you know, you were listing all like the awards and stuff, you, like, while I've been listed for it, it's amazing. And you would think then that. Someone like yeah. yourself would be yeah. up, and yeah. it's still like there's still this weird like gatekeeper. Yeah. Stuff. Like, we released a book during lockdown. Like, like, um, called Border Boys. This is kids like about football and stuff. And we obviously were like, oh yeah, this is a good book. Whatever. So we released it. it. Came out during lockdown. We didn't have a choice because we were like, do we release it? Do we not? And was pushing back their books, and we debated for so long what to do. It was probably like, oh, just release it because we didn't want to And um, it went to number one. It like knocked off Jason Reynolds off the list. We were like, yeah, it done so good, and the bookshops love it and stuff. But like, the indies love it. Mm. But the other bookshops, we don't know about. You know, I go into bookshops and I've seen it in a few, but it's not in all the bookshops. And the, the hard thing about that is trying to explain that to the author, because as an author. If you've got a book, you would expect to go into a bookshop and see your book. You know, that's not stupid to think like that. And it is very awkward if they go into, like, you know, that bookshop and they can't see their book and then they mess with you and you're like, I don't, I don't know either like it. Yeah. And then they, instead of, like, you know, the bookshop just being on it next to that, they go, oh, we can, like, order it in. It's like, shut up. We don't want you to order it in. Like, you want you to have it in, like, you know what I mean? You don't do what we do. We're like, like it's really, it's really annoying. And I remember one of our authors, oh God, so, so, but she, like, so, so basically, the author tweeted, um, was like, oh my God, I walked into you know that bookshop and like you know, oh my God, so there, this is so exciting. And then she was like, oh no, I'm going to come to London and check out. No. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, men like Michael Friedman, who's done our, who did our finance in the beginning to set up, and now Maria Tracy Lord, who's our operations director. Having people with experience, particularly for me, I need to be calmed down a bit. I get very excited about doing lots of stuff and commissioning and getting out there, and you know, it's good to have people just to temper that enthusiasm. Yeah, to that, I would say also plan to make no money for about two years. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't think they said it. But also, just um, just be clear about why why you're doing it. I guess like if, mm. I think the beauty of being independent is you're bringing something like fresh to the industry because it needs it. The industry is like it's weird, So I think just thinking about what can I bring that's a bit different, um, and then you'll find other great people in publishing, like Kate Manning. We put this all together. She lives up the road for me. I'm always like, hey, how do you do this? Like, always asking questions because, you know, I'm still learning and stuff. Even today, I learned so much just having our conversations prior to which I've learned a lot and stuff. But um, I think just kind of knowing why you want to do it. Like, diversity, inclusivity is a massive thing, and we need more of, we need more of that. Yeah, that's even better, do you know what I mean? I think if you just come out just kind of doing the same old thing, you're not going to compete with like the big houses who are all kind of like doing that already. So it comes a bit more like, what kind of maybe I think is missing and I could do with it. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry, please. Hi, my name is Rachel. I'm Street Angels Books and the I, I started my publishing company um, because my, I wrote a book in the pandemic and my agent said, you know, even the big boys can wait to get their books published, they're not going to get out themselves. And since I've been doing it, I have to tell anybody, we just put our first book out this year, which went to number one at Amazon Queers. So I just wanted to find out, since I was signed to a major already, I'm thinking about maybe, is it unrealistic to think that I can actually have? We only have five titles. Um, interest in major in actually just taking one out of publicity and helping us with the marketing? Or do I have to do like a record on the industry? Sell 80,000 million books before they even look at me? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know, actually. My answer is I don't know. But maybe Kate Manning, who's, who's you could give the mic. Yeah, she's the marketing and publicity. Can answer that. Uh, that's a really good question. I think um, there are so many ways, especially now with you know uh, TikTok and things like that, that we're reaching these directly. And I think there's lots of stuff you can do as yourself just to reach out to you, reach out to bookshops. Um, I mean, we're finding our Instagram account, Magic Cat, is just an absolute godsend, especially during lockdown. I think there's stuff you can build up yourself there. Uh, reach out to freelancers. Um, and just build it yourself. You can also go to speak to people, but there's so much that you can do yourself.
um, we have one or two colleagues in the board, but even that's only in the UK as well. So um, we have to, you know, obviously the prices aren't going out of the it's difficult, but I think you guys have got more and more complicated. We knew it was going to be really, we do four coloured books, and we knew it was going to be really expensive. So actually we put together a five-year plan, took it to the printers, and said, bear with us for a bit, give us some good terms. This is what we're going to do over the course of five years, and, and that's and yeah. So we sort of went to them with a proper game plan, as opposed to just we've got this book, will you print it for us? And which, so did did you have a budget, um, your own budget? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we had quite yeah quite a lot of work went into it just because it was a really long turnaround between commissioning a book, printing it. And making money from it in return, you know. So yeah, it was a massive consideration for us, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. We were lucky that we did it in 2019, before COVID. We set up um, in China with a female-owned independent um, Lela Q there, and also in North America with Abrams Kids. So we had our kind of global distribution, English language sorted out, and we have a great, a very tenacious foreign rights director who all through the pandemic sold books for us over Zoom. She never stopped. She's still she's probably still on Zoom now actually. <laughs> Have you seen this book? Yeah. There's a lady right at the back there. Oh sorry, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. working with me because at the 
moment. I'm not quite at the stage financially where I feel secure enough that I could take people on um, into the, you know, the company. But hopefully in the next year or so, I will do with an office. But again, keeping still small, keeping that independent spirit, I've never ever had to be bigger than you know, 15, 20 bits a year, that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>